So many times people, they, they for, forget to just yield to that because they just don't think it's that important. And they get swallowed up with life and situations and everything. And, you know, the Lord loves us, doesn't he? He wants to help us. And uh, he's here. Amen. And that's what's important. Glory to God. Amen. Well, bless the Lord. Amen. Amen. Times of refreshing. Right? See, we, you know, this is just whatever the Lord wants to do. Right? It's his agenda, not ours. Amen? But I'll tell you, I believe, you know, and I don't encourage you to listen to too much of the news, but if you turn on the news or read the news online or read the Oregonian, God forbid, but if you read that kind of stuff in there, you know, you'd be, you'd have every bit of joy taken away from you. If you didn't know better, it's just like the whole world's caving in, you know. People are... Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day, <laughs> and I, I just was so taken off guard and surprised at, you know, we're a few different people, but uh, as I think about this, it's, it is laughable because uh, they said, you know, they were telling about what they're doing and, you know, how they, now they've got all their supplies ready and all, they're going to the store, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning so they don't have to be around people and you know, everything kind of progressed. And uh, then, you know, then they said, well, you know, the, you know, the church we go to is just, they're, they're going to probably close down for a while, you know, and not have services. Not that nobody's even been diagnosed. This is all in the expectation somebody's going to have it. <laughs> and then, can you believe this? I was asked that question. I said, are you closed? <laughs> I said, you know, I haven't even thought about it. <laughs> Furthest thing from my mind. I mean, if somebody can't make it, okay, well, we'll pray for you, but we're going to keep moving forward. I mean, the train may slow down a little bit, but it's going to keep rolling down the tracks. <laughs> Amen. And again, just so we're clear, I'm not making light of anybody getting sick. But think about Think about this. How, how much fear is generated? In fact, there was a person by the name of Dr. Drew. I don't even know who that is for sure. I've heard the name before. But they were saying they were just really just raking the media over the coals about how, how much fear that was being generated through the media, which it is, right? If, if any of you have been, and again, I'm not encouraging you to go turn it on and watch it, but the, how much fear? You know, so many people, now schools are closing down. And, uh, you know, one, one, uh, they predicted in one place that the hospitals are, uh, they, that uh, by, what is it? Uh, is it, the, they've only got so many beds left and, you know, and it's, that's, yeah, by May 10th, they won't have any beds. And, you know, I guess you got to bring your own. I don't know. <laughs> bring your own bed or whatever. But, but I mean, think about that. You go to the hospital and, you know, I need help, but did you bring a bed? <laughs> I mean, it's just totally. Yeah, but think about it. I mean, it's just, and again, it's just not, it's just, this is why it's so important to, for the believer to know the word of God, because we're not criticizing people, belittling people, even, even there's believers that are, you know, kind of turned into unbelievers. 
because they think that, you know, the whole thing's caving in. And, and if you look at the thing, uh, you know, I, what, like upwards of 60,000 people can die a year from the flu in America? 60,000 people. Everybody say 60,000. I don't even think this is near that, do you? Huh? Is it? What's the latest statistics? <laughs> you don't watch the moves, do so. No. <laughs> huh? Not that, I mean, you know, it's just, to me, it's just, I don't know. I just, I, I, I get to thinking about some of these things and I just think it's so comical because, you know, and again, we're not, we're laughing and putting somebody down about the thing, but it is, you know, like we shared on Sunday, a destruction and famine, thou shalt laugh. When stuff is, when destruction's looking you at your door, the Bible says that we're supposed to laugh. Ha, ha, ha. That's why the joy of the Lord's our strength. That's why we need to know that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. There's something to that. There is something to that. There's a significance to that. And so for we as Christians, we, we have to make sure that we don't get off course by even other Christians that are just getting into doubt and unbelief about last days. Again, you know, like we read the other day, Jesus said in the last days there's going to be pestilences, right? Matthew 24, Luke 21, you can read it. And pestilences all over around the earth. So why, why do we think it strange? Why do we think it's so abnormal to have to face that as believers. I mean, there's people over in Africa. I mean, they have diseases all the time. Ebola, uh, you know, the swine flu, uh, all these different, all these different flus that go around and then they mutate and the different strains getting, you know, anyway, it just, anyway, but if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you don't have to be afraid. If you keep your eyes on him, then He's the life giver. He is the life giver. Glory to God. Glory to God. Look at Luke chapter 1. Look at Luke chapter 1. We'll do everything a little bit later. Um, Luke chapter 1. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for leading and guiding. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Ghost here. Thank you for articulating what you once said tonight. Thank you for helping us, Father God, to continue to move higher together Lord, as a congregation, to flow with you, Father, to see the needs of the people met. And Father, we thank you and glorify you that Jesus came and paid the price so that we could have everything he bought and paid for once and for all. So tonight, Lord, open the word to our spirits and thank you for ministering strength, confidence, fresh assurance, a refreshing to every person here in joy. Everyone here tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Look at this. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And I want you to notice here in the first few verses, it says for, in verse 1, Luke 1, verse 1, it says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration. Everybody say declaration. A declaration of those things which are most Surely believed. A declaration of what? Those things that are what? 
set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. What a great way to start out the gospel. Because this is exactly what the word of God is. The word of God is a declaration of the things that believers and saints of God have believed down through the ages. Hallelujah. Most surely believed, note it. Most surely believed, glory to God, among us, even as they delivered them unto which, us which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. And we're all ministers of the word, aren't we? Every one of us here, minister of the word. It seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write the in order most excellent Theophilus. Of course, this is Luke, the physician writing, right? And he goes on in verse four to say that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. What are the things that they were instructed? The things that were most surely believed among them from the Lord himself. We come to church, we get into the word of God. What do we look at? We look at the law of liberty. We look at the things that are most surely believed, right? Because we're believers. I said, we're believers. Glory to God. So these things are most surely believed among us and He wants us to know, and that's why he wrote it down, the certainty of these things. Faith has a certainty to it. Believing God has a certainty to it. It has a certain sound. It has a certain voice. It has a certain action. So, acts of faith. True faith receives. What's an act of faith? An act of faith is an act of certainty based on the previous declaration that we have, the written word of God, about what God's will is, and it's the basis for what we believe because it's a revelation of the knowledge of God's will. It's certain. It's not subject to change. It's certain. Everybody say certain. It's certain. So we know from the scriptures that certain signs, right? These signs follow them that believe right in the end of Mark's gospel, right? What did Jesus do before he told them these signs follow them that believe? The Bible tells us that he came to them and he upbraided them with with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So in other words, that word upbraided simply means he chewed them out. He got after them. Have you had somebody chew you out? We We had that happen the other day. And... It wasn't the Costco that Dale works at, but it was another one. See, so he's back there smiling. But we were, I dropped my lovely wife off at the door because it was raining hard. How many of you know, husbands, that's a good thing to do. If you want to be in good graces, 
If you can. If you can't, okay. Take an umbrella. So anyway, I dropped and, you know, it was just one of those deals. It was raining hard. And, you know, so we pulled up kind of over to, over to the side and, um, this person got just right up behind. And I thought, well, yeah, I got to get going. And I was just honey, hurry, you know, and the guy, well, you know, I wouldn't, no, I didn't push her out, but I, but I, but no. So I, uh, no, I, I, no, I, it was in park. It was in park, okay, with my foot on the brake, right? Yeah, that's always a good one, isn't it? They, you know, you want somebody to get out, so you just kind of keep rolling a little with <laughs> the door open. So anyway, so I, um, I was letting her out, and this guy got right up, and I kind of, you know, hurry. And there's a guy on there, and uh, then this guy, he come by, he got really close. He got probably about this far away, six inches from the car, drove up, and he just was... I won't do to you what he did to me. But I, I said, see, honey, I said later, I said, you know, we got to, you know, it's probably, I was just too long there. I shouldn't have parked there. And so, and she said, no, it was the Magnus. I said, yeah, that's right. Sure wouldn't be me, my bad driving. <laughs> Isn't that something? We blame it on Jesus. <laughs> no, 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 no. But uh, anyway, he was mad. He was mad. He was mad. Yeah. I mean, he was chewing me out. With my hand. So, huh? Yeah. Like you were a second class citizen. Yeah, I know. Well, well, those things happen. But anyway, well, we just praise the Lord. But... You, know, you get the idea if Jesus is talking to his disciples that traveled with him three and a half years and he predicted his own death and resurrection and it actually happened and the people, some of the disciples told the other disciples and, you know, they come and then still really just unbelief is just kind of a group thing and uh, Jesus just really chews them out. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they didn't believe those that had seen him in the resurrection. God forbid that he rebukes us, right? For unbelief, right? Well, so these things are certain. We believe God in this hour of quote-unquote crisis, or some of them have already started to use the you know, a pandemic, right? And they, the news media picked that up and they never, the health people never even uh, said it was a pandemic yet. Do you know? Did they? Did they say it? Veronica would probably know. Have they been saying it in the hospital? Oh, okay. Well, anyway, pandemic. But we have to choose what we're going to believe. This is the point. We have a certainty of knowing God's will, God's ways, what pleases God. And so fear shouldn't be a part of our vocabulary or our lifestyle. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Faith activates God. Fear activates the devil. 
when we give place to the devil, our enemy, then he has a rightful place to move in and bring of all of his detestable goods with him, which is doubt, unbelief, and ever-increasing fear. So faith in God activates the hand of God. Now look at this. Look at uh, Revelation 21. Look at this. We're going to look at this a little bit here tonight about faith versus fear. How does our life line up in our words and our actions regarding faith in God or fear about what's coming on the world? And really, we haven't even seen anything that's going to really fix and hit the world here in the days ahead. I mean, this is nothing compared. That's why we have to know what we believe and why we believe it. We have to be strong in that. And the time to get strong is not when the crisis is on. It's every day feeding, meditating, abiding in him, in God's word, listening to him, speaking what he said, and living that particular lifestyle. Faith activates the anointing. That's almost, it's always waiting for us to act on the word so it can be activated. And it's released or put into action or activated by word and action, by what we do. Now, look at Revelation 21. Of course, this is speaking here about the new heaven, the new earth, coming down the holy city, the new Jerusalem. God's going to wipe away every tear. And it says in verse 5, and it says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Praise God. What is the fountain of life? We know it's eternal life. It's the spirit of life. It's the anointing of God, right? It's the freedom of of what God has given us through the great plan of redemption. And it's it's all for us and happens by the Holy Ghost who's now here on earth through the anointing, works through that. But look what he goes on to say here. Verse 7, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. Who wants to be an overcomer? Okay, that's, that's all of us, right? He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son or daughter, right? Now get the next verse, though. This is what is something here we want to focus in on just for a moment. Verse 8, it says, but the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's eternal death, right? Because one day, hell's going to be cast into the lake of fire. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But I want you to notice in verse 8, how he starts this off, and how he uses several of these bad things altogether. 
how he lumps them all together. And he starts out with what? The fearful. Do we get a picture here about what God does not like? What is distasteful to God? We do. But the fearful and unbelieving. Wherever you find, and we're not talking about the fear of the Lord. We're talking about, as the scripture says, you know, the fear of man brings a snare. The devil, of course, energizes the fear of man. That's why the words of man that are acted upon, which are wrong, so many times, you, what you'll find is, I mean, it, so many times, I mean, when you're, when you're talking about something like this with this coronavirus or any other disease, they are just radiating fear. And if you believe their words, if you allow those words, if you listen to it long enough, it's going to affect your spirit. And from there, it's going to affect your physical body. It's going to affect your flesh. And then you're going to start living your life trying to circumvent and go around everything. And so pretty soon, you're going to become a hermit. Because you're going to be all by yourself. Because you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to drive anywhere. You're not going to fly anywhere. You're not going to be around anybody. You're not going to even talk to your neighbors. You're not going to witness to anybody because, you know, you can't be around people. So it's all stems from the spirit of fear, but it's propagated through the voice of a man or a woman. And so many times they're just, they they, they just spit out information and it's not true anyway. You know, you look at that list there, the fearful, unbelieving, abominable, murders. You mean fearful's in with murders? Fearful's in with whoremongers? Fearful's in with sorcerers? How many of you believe liars, adulterers, sorcerers, whoremongers, murderers, abominables, uh, people? How, how many of you believe that those things that, you know, a person that is engaged in those type of activities isn't walking real close to God? Right? So what would exclude the first two words there, the fearful and the unbelieving? as far as being detestable in the sight of God. And as a matter of fact, being the end result cast into the lake of fire. Huh? Think about that. Fearful. I will not fear. Say that after me. I will not fear. I will not fear. Hallelujah. See, fear is not faith. Look at Job chapter 3. Most of you are familiar with Job. Look at Job chapter 3. Now, of course, Job probably only took about nine months here. The whole book, if you go through the whole thing as far as how long it took. Scholars believe that anyway. I don't know how, uh, how exactly accurate that is. It's probably fairly close. But be that as it may, look at verse 25. Job, and while you turn there to set the stage, remember Job had kids. And he was concerned, if you read in the first part of Job chapter 1, 
he was concerned in their days of fast uh, feasting that uh, he was going to go and sanctify them and offer burnt offerings according to how many there were because these sons, he said, it may be that they sinned. It may be. Do you see that there? It may be. What do you find with the spirit of fear telling you, speaking to you with a loud voice? Doubt, unbelief, but what may happen? What might happen? How many of you found that most of the time, if you've walked with the Lord and you've recognized the voice of the devil versus the voice of God, how many of you have recognized that the high majority of time, what the devil puts into your thought life as far as what might happen never actually happens. Ifs, maybes, mights. So people get all wrapped up in that. And really, worry is really what precipitates and magnifies fear. Because you start worrying and worrying being negative meditation, you start thinking it's like the train going down the wrong tracks and gaining momentum. And so you start going down that way and you get more afraid, more fearful. And the devil, of course, will see to it. He'll put people across your path, news articles across your path, and begin, you'll start taking that in. And pretty soon it's going to encroach on your peace. It's going to encroach on your life. And pretty soon it's going to encroach on your faith in God. And pretty soon you're going to be believing the lie even when it hasn't even manifested. And so then he's got us exactly where he wants us to be. And it starts to crescendo. It starts to build. It starts to be magnified. So Job here in verse uh, or chapter 3, of course, he's, he said it may be so that they, and of course, then of course, Satan comes if you read on, and, uh, and, you know, God tells the devil right up, you know, there's nobody like Job. Man, this guy, he fears me. And, uh, and so, of course, Satan's the accuser of the brethren. But as you start going through the story about Job, of course, God, you know, he, his captivity was turned in uh, chapter 42 when he prayed for his friends. So that's always a good thing, right? We call the friends that Job had most of the time you hear him as Job's comforters, right? But he did get a little bit of good advice from some of them, right? But be that as it may, look what it says in verse 25. It says, for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. For the thing that I, he just didn't fear. He greatly feared. He greatly feared. Everybody say greatly feared. Greatly feared. There's fear and then there's greatly, great fear. There's fear and great fear, great fear or greatly feared. Like Ann was walking in tonight and I walked around the corner. She was like, oh, hi. <laughs> but that was a great fear, right? Of course, I, I, there's nothing to be afraid of of me anyway, right? <laughs> I mean, the lights were on, so I just come out from around the corner Right? And she come walking in the door and, you know, oh, you're there. Yeah. But that's not great fear. Great fear is something that you have where 
It just comes on your life and it'll swallow you up. A lot of times people are greatly fear, they greatly fear the dark. Because they played when they were growing up, the boogeyman, you know, or they, they played hide and seek and, or somebody scared them or, you know, something like that. People, that's just one of the phobias people that get. They're afraid of the dark, afraid of close quarters, afraid of airplanes. How many of you remember uh, John Madden in football? Really good commentator. I always enjoyed him and Pat Summerall <clears throat> through the years. I always thought they were the best. Personal opinion. Okay, you may not agree, but I, anyway, I enjoyed it. But Pat, uh, uh, John Madden wouldn't, wouldn't fly airplanes because he was afraid to fly. So, you know, he's not, he's pretty retired now. He's really up there. He's not, he's not doing color analysis for football or anything anymore. But he wouldn't, can you imagine? And, th- you know, they'd show it some different times because he, he lives out in California and they'd take a bus to Philadelphia and then he'd do a bus to California. I don't care how nice the bus is. I don't really want to, I don't really want to take a bus all that thousands and thousands of miles. And they showed, you know, a map of him crisscrossing every week for the games and trying to go home. And it's just like, I, I don't care if I can sleep. I got a nice bed in the bus. I really don't, I don't really think that that's the highest way to to go personally. Again, this is my personal opinion. Now you may differ. You may love the bus. I don't know. But the thing about it is, is he, he really just had a phobia about flying. And I can understand how you can get afraid of flying because one day when I was leaving Tulsa real early in the morning, I was going actually flying out to San Diego, I was flying down to Dallas and then out to uh, San Diego. And, um, this was, we were still living in tall or broken arrow and um, it was a five o'clock in the morning flight. And so on American airlines and it was during the summertime or late, late spring, early summer. And we had just took off and it's such a short flight at that time. This is well before nine 11. Of course I was in that plane and they were just serving coffee and some refreshments and light, things, you know, for breakfast. It was just like a quick, you know, you ever been on a quick flight to where they just get out there and they just get her done real fast. And then pretty soon you barely get up and you're down again. Well, so we were in the air probably, it's only like, I don't know, 45 minute, 50 minute flight, something like that generally. And so we were in the air about 15 minutes and all of a sudden this thunderstorm just mushroomed and come into existence all, all of a sudden. And we were right in the middle of the thunderstorm. Come to find out later. I knew something was weird because I was thinking, man, the pilot, surely he wouldn't be that stupid to fly through this thing. Because we got up there and, you know, you see the lightning flashing outside your window and all that. And, you know, they're serving coffee. And then all of a sudden, wham! I mean, we, we got a downdraft and we dropped like a thousand feet, just like that. And then drop, and then it was going up, and it was just like, and the coffee went, and all the stuff went flying everywhere, up and down. People, they were giving people uh, cleaning, you know, stuff, vouchers, because of all the mess that it created on the airplane. And, you know, about like that, you know, some people were trying to sleep, you know. They, they were white-knuckled for the rest of the trip. They didn't, they didn't go to sleep, I can assure you about that. But that was, you know, when you have a situation like that, and, and you're, it's a totally sudden surprise like that. You, sometimes you can get into that greatly feared 
situation, especially when you're not on the ground. So I totally get it as far as, you know, not wanting to fly, you know, I, I can, you know, you go through enough of those and some people have, you know, I, I don't know, has anybody ever been here through when the plane went through a wind shear? Wind shear? I mean, that's like the same thing. I mean, it'll just really throw that plane around whether you have because of the jet stream and how the uh, cross currents, and I don't know all about that, but I'll tell you what, I've had a few few rides that were really, really nasty, but still, I didn't greatly fear enough to the point that I wanted to take the bus. <laughs> right? Can you say amen? I would, I would rather fly and, you know, believe God that it's going to be all right. Actually, it's, 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 um, it's safer to fly in an airplane than it is to drive your car. It really is. It's absolutely the truth. Anyway, didn't mean to get on all that. But Job said, the thing I've greatly feared has come upon me. The thing I greatly feared has come upon me. So, look what it says. It goes on. And that which I was afraid is come unto me. See, fear opens up the door to things that you don't want to happen in your life. And this is exactly what Job is saying here, that some way he opened the door, probably through this, maybe some other things. We don't know everything, but we can see how that he was very presumptuous, you know, and doesn't mean he had a bad heart about it or the wrong attitude or motive, but still he was doing things, at least at this point, out of, well, it might have happened out of fear that it was going to be displeasing the way that they were living for God. So he was doing these burnt offerings. Well, fear will bring, like a magnet, things into our life that we don't want. Just like in the natural, a magnet. Well, we know, of course, if they have the same polarity that they repel. But if you have opposites, they'll come together, right? So imagine this, that Fear, when you begin to speak words of fear over your life, over your business, over your job, over your family, over your spouse, over the situation, right, that's going on in America and around the world, oh my, I wonder who's next. I wonder if I'm going to get it. See, the door opens by just beginning to verbalize and say, I wonder, if, I wonder who's going to get it that I might know. And we start rolling that around on the inside. And then pretty soon, it begins to build and be magnified. We start actually believing in our heart. And then we just continually start to say it. But even furthermore, we start to have actions that line up with what we're saying. Because we start avoiding things. We start avoiding people. I like what Tony said the other day. This was funny. She said, you know, my son came. Now, remember, all of this is not funny, right? I'm not putting anybody down, but I find it comical. Not anybody that died, mind you, but I find it, I find it funny that, that people around would just do some of the goofiest things. Well, anyway, so she said that her son went to, the, went to the, the store and he says, well, mom, you know, I know exactly how to clear out people around. He says, I go in there. He says, I just start coughing. <laughs> and go in and you start. It's just, everybody just, it's just like, it's just like, you know, scattered bugs, you know, that, that have the light turned on and they just scatter to, to get away. I thought, yeah, that's something, you know. 
Imagine going in somewhere. What if I come up here tonight with a mask on? And, well, you know, goggles on. All this kind of stuff. And again, we're not putting, this is, but we as Christians, we have to think differently about this. Because fear is a torturous process. It torments people and they can't sleep. They don't do things. They don't want to talk to people. And this gets going and building momentum in your life. And pretty soon you're just, you're like a Christian. Well, yeah, I believe that Jesus is my healer. Yeah, I believe that God is my provider. Yeah, I believe that Jesus is my healer, my protector. No plague, no weapon formed against me will prosper. I believe that, kind of, kind of. But see, we have the certainty of faith in God. We have the Holy Scriptures that tell us that God has provided for us through the blood and broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ a covenant of healing, health, protection, and provision for all of our lives. So we, even as the psalmist says in many different places, thou shalt not fear. One place he says, I will not fear what man can do unto me. I will not fear. Say that. I will not fear anything. Yes. So, faith is what activates the promises of God. Job opened the door. And again, fearing God is different than fearing what man says or what the devil tries to put into our lives. So do we have great faith or great fear? Look at Matthew 14. Look at this. I wanted to give you a few scriptures here that I believe are and will bless you in that the Lord doesn't believe in having you and I walk around and be afraid with the storms of life. Look at Matthew 14. Now to set the stage here, and we're going to pick up in verse 22, but what had just happened was, is that this multitude of 5,000 men plus the women and children were supernaturally provided for. And they, they had just five loaves and two fishes. And they gathered up the fragments going to... 12 baskets. That's a lot, right? So on the heels of this outstanding miracle. Now, this was not the first miracle that Jesus had ever done with his uh, miracle of provision with his disciples, mind you. But notice what it says there in verse 22. It says, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes Away, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Okay, so Jesus is praying. The disciples are on the way. And in verse 24, it says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. So in other words, they're, they're up in a storm now. So these waves are tossing them around, contrary. In other words, it's against them. 
right? If you've ever been out, how many of you have ever been out on a boat, out on a lake, but even worse is being out on the ocean when the swells start happening. If you've ever been out there, my word, you're just like, I can't wait to get to land. <laughs> really? I mean, sometimes it is very, it gets tumultuous. And the thing is, especially out on the ocean, the wind, the circumstances can change just like that. I mean, it's very, very, I mean, if it's dicey, I don't want to be a part of it personally. I'd rather stay right on the shoreline. Amen. And if you've ever been in a bad boating situation, you, you can appreciate what I'm saying. But so the disciples are on their way. The wind's contrary. The waves are tossing them all around. And it says in verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, that's between 3 and 6 a.m. So mind you, this has been going on since dark the evening before, right? So they've been in this for several hours now. And so guess what? The fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Walking on the sea. Now think with me. As we started off here in this particular chapter, what did they just see? The miracle of feeding the 5,000 plus the women and children. So you're probably talking at least 10,000, maybe 15,000 even. If you had one for every, every man, right? So that's not stretching the truth at all. It could have been. <clears throat> maybe less, but maybe more. But it was a great multitude of people. So they had seen the miraculous from the five loaves and the two fishes. Now, they're out here, and Jesus comes the fourth night of the uh, fourth watch of the night, and it says in verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. They cried out for fear. Now he comes. Do you think the Lord Jesus Christ came to them dressed as a ghost? No. Do you think that he came incognito? They just saw him the day before, right? And here he's walking. So what that tells us is even though the storm's on, Jesus was coming. They could see him, right? There was enough light. And what do they do? They go right to talking about fear and believing the worst. They were in a tough situation, but they immediately started believing the worst and being afraid. Now you think about it, when, when problems come your way, you have difficulties, challenges with life, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to just throw up our hands and say, hey, hey, I'm troubled, Lord. You know, I'm fearful. No, we're supposed to run to the Lord. We're not supposed to talk about our fears. We're, ta- we're told to subjugate them to God's laws and God's truth. Are you with me? And so here they are. They think that it's a ghost. And Jesus was not coming incognito, by the way. It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, and so get the picture So they're in the boat. They see him walking on the water. They already knew that he is a God of the miraculous, that Jesus, the miracle worker, this is not too big of a deal for him, right? And guess what? 
He says, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. Be of good cheer. Anytime the Lord comes to you, he's going to tell you, be of good cheer, don't be afraid. Do you think he's still saying that? He is, isn't he? So what, get the picture. So they start across, did the Lord not know the storm, storm was coming up? Would, would have the Lord ever sent them across that lake knowing full will ahead of time that they could sink because there was a storm coming? He would have never done that. The Bible tells us, I will be with you in trouble. And they had trouble, right? And then Jesus says, be a good cheer. It's me. Don't be afraid. And the Lord will always come with that declaration. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I don't care what it is. If you've been redeemed from it, you don't need to be afraid of it. You do not have to be afraid of what the Lord Jesus Christ paid the price in the plan of redemption You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of any plague, any disease, anything like that. Because why? Fear, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Because why? Fear has torment. Can can you imagine, you know, people, you you go home tonight and, and people say to you, they find out, did you go to church? Did you shake anybody's hand? Did you hug anybody? Did you touch anybody? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, here we have the, uh, the, the, the health, uh, one of the health individuals from the state of California the other day. Some of you might have seen this. <laughs> it's funny. So they say, you know, some of the things, and it's good to wash your hands, right? It's good. I mean, use hand sanitizers. That's all good and wonderful thing. But the bottom line is our trust has got to be in the Lord, and then doing that, that's good too. But so this lady, you know, she's up there and it, I mean, it's just well could have been a man. So I'm not picking on the ladies. You understand that. But so she gets up there and she says, now what you don't want to do is you don't want to touch your face. Okay. Now, did you know, most of you probably knew this already, but did you know that the average person anywhere uh, touches their face between 15 to 23 times an hour? It's true. That's a lot. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not saying go home and, you know, write it down. <laughs> and don't sit here for the rest of the night and say, oh, look at, did you see how many, so-and-so, they're, they're touching their face, right? You're touching your face. So anyway, here's the, here's the kicker. So anyway, she says, don't, don't touch your face. And then afterwards, she's, licks, t- turn the page. <laughs> it's a true story. How many of you saw that? You see that? So I'm telling the truth, right? I'm not, but I thought that that's, this is a, this is a hoot, man. <laughs> so, you know, okay, well, anyway, and, they, they, and then different ones being, anyway, the whole thing is, is this, this spirit of fear, just getting, you know, do as I say, don't do as I do, right? <laughs> so, but Jesus here, back to, back to something very serious right now, Jesus then Peter says, Lord, if it be you, bid me come. So in other words, he said, be of good cheer. Now they should have most instantaneously knew that this 
was not the devil. This was not a ghost because the ghost doesn't come and say, be of good cheer. It's me. (laughs) Right? It's me. You've been looking for me. (laughs) No. That's what the Lord said. So Peter says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. So, I mean, what, you know, he really put, Peter put the Lord in kind of a pickle, if you think about it. Because what is Jesus going to say? No, Peter, it's not me, so don't come. (laughs) No, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. And what does Jesus say? Come. He's already told him what? It's me. Don't be afraid. Be Be of good cheer. And then the Lord says, has the audacity to say, come on where I'm at. Now he's out where the waves are rolling. He's walking on the sea. But mind you that he's still out there and the storm is on and the wind is on, right? This wasn't the other story to where he was asleep, you know, on a pillow in the boat when they were going across and he rebuked the wind. Remember that, the storm? No, this is a different one. So mind you, can you imagine the waves are going like this and the Lord's just kind of walking and staying right up? I mean, that's pretty wild, man. You talk about a miracle. And then the Lord has the audacity to say, Peter, come, come out here where I'm at. And Peter's like, man, the waves are, you know, tossing and everything. And so guess what? Jesus says, come. And when Peter had come down out of the ship, verse 29, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He walked on the water. He walked on the water. Now notice what it says. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid again. Now think about this. He's already seeing a miraculous happening with the Lord standing on top of the water while the water is going back and forth and the waves are tossed. And Peter is told, come, it's me, Peter. And so... He walked on the water, he got out of the ship, and then he starts to get his eyes on the natural as he's walking towards the Lord. He starts looking around. Guess what? You can't walk on the water on a calm day, let alone one where the waves are being tossed. Think about it, right? Is this logical thought, right? You know, it's like I said the other day, you know, the people say, you know, Jesus, they're always accusing him of something and said, why did Jesus walk on the water? Well, because he couldn't swim. (laughs) Really? No, 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 no. He's Lord, master of everything. Amen. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) False accusations. (laughs) But it's about just like that, isn't it? So. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. In other words, you you don't, can you imagine this? You don't begin to sink. It's not like going into a swimming pool when you're going down the steps and you begin to be submerged. If you do a cannonball off the diving board in a swimming pool or jump in off the side or, you know, off a creek bank going in, whatever you might be jumping into, hopefully it's deep enough. But the thing is, You're not going in, beginning to go in. You're going in all the way, probably doing a cannonball, probably getting fully submerged, right? 
probably getting fully wet if you jump in. Okay, so get the picture here. So he is, you got this miracle going on. Jesus is standing out there on the top of the surface of the water. And it says Peter starts walking and the waves are roaring. They're going back and forth. And then as he's walking to Jesus, he is, with each step, he's beginning to go down and submerge. Well, that's pretty supernatural too. And so the Bible says, it does not say Peter sank. It says he began to sink. He began. See, guess what? But why did he begin to sink? Because he got his eyes off of Jesus. See, if we get our eyes off of the master and the healing power of God and the healing covenant that belongs to us, if we get our eyes on the natural, then we're going to lean into the natural. We're going to start believing the natural. And guess what? We're going to walk in the natural. And we're natural people, but we're spiritual people. We walk in the natural. We walk by faith, not by sight, right? So Peter begins to sink. And guess what? He begins to sink and he cried, saying, Lord, save me. He cried, Lord, save me. And guess what? The scripture does not say. It does not say, Lord, save me after bed. Save me in a while. He said, Lord, save me. Hallelujah. And that's good. When we get in a, in a tight spot, say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, help me. Amen. See, lean into him. You get into a spot, don't just in pride to say, okay, Lord, I got it handled. No, lean into the Lord. Lean into the new covenant. Lean into the blood of Jesus. Amen. Lean into the power of God. Amen. Lean into the truth of God's word. Amen. Amen. And so he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And what does verse 31 say? It says what? And what? Immediately. And immediately. In other words, when you say, Lord, save me, bam. Immediately the Lord's on the move. Why wait till tomorrow? It's like, it's like Norval Hayes. Some of you know who he was. Well, anyway, the Lord, when his wife, or his, not his wife, but his, his daughter Zona had all these growths on her body. And so he met, long story short, but this will bless you. If you haven't heard it, or if, even if you have heard it, it'll bless you to hear it again. So his wife Zona's got all these growths over her body. What'd I say? Wife? wife? Yeah. Zona was not his wife. <laughs> it was his daughter. <laughs> anyway, okay. Get the story straight. Well, anyway, he, so he had, uh, he had just, you know, in a short period of time before, a few years before, met Brother Hagen. And Brother Hagen was over at the house one day, and Zona had had all these gross cut off of her body. She had gone to, to uh, uh, you know, the doctor and been to the doctor, and, and uh, she'd get them cut off, and they'd grow right back. And, you know, like Brother Norval said, he said, and they brought all their cousins with them. They'd come back and bring all their cousins. So anyway, so, you know, they're growing. And then, so uh, Zona comes home from school one day and Brother Hagen had come over to Norville's house, was just passing through in Tennessee. And he was set, they were sitting at the table and he said, uh, Zona, you know, how are you doing? Brother Hagen said, Zona, how are you doing? And he said, uh, Brother Hagen, I'm doing good. It's my dad. He's not doing too good. And he says, what do you mean? And he said, well, he said, uh, or she said, 
Well, you know, he keeps saying that, you know, you know, talking to these growths and they're not, and, you know, we're believing the Lord. And they're not going away. They're getting worse. I'm summarizing the story now here. But, and so it's my dad. He says, oh, and Brother Hagin said to him, her, said, oh, Zona, I could curse those growths and make them disappear. And long story short, you know, Norville's sitting there and they were, had this, you know, she, this lady was, did cooking for them and stuff. And anyway, um, uh, they didn't want to get in a conversation there. Brother Hagen had to leave town and he never got to ask, Norval never got to ask Brother Hagen what he meant that you could curse those and make them disappear. So he, you know, he wasn't happy with Zona bringing that up, but he was happy in that, okay, well, Brother Hagen doesn't lie. And if he said he could curse those growths and make them disappear, then I serve the same God. So this, I should be able to do this. Now, this is just the beginning of him getting a hold of what faith is and understanding. So he's going through this process of, uh, of, uh, of, you know, believing the Lord. And one night, and I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff, but one night he was walking in his house and he all of a sudden got pulled up out of his body and he went up to heaven. And the Lord told him, he heard this, he, he heard, he didn't see the Lord, but he heard this voice kind of like the, the voice that you hear in the Ten Commandments, you know, when Moses is, <laughs> they, they have God speaking, you know, thou shalt not, you know, that type of thing. I shouldn't have touched my face. Sorry about that. <laughs> Forgive me. Yeah, see? See what I, I got you. Evil company corrupts good habits. Anyway, no, no, no. But so, and, and so he's up here and it's real quiet and he hears that voice. How long are you going to put up with those growths on your daughter's body? How long are you going to put up with those growths on your daughter's body? He said, I said, because Norval was seeking the Lord, Lord, I'm going to find Jesus, the healer, the miracle worker. And so after a period of time of seeking God, then this experience happened. And so after he said, how long are you going to put up with him? The Lord went on to say and tell him, if you, my brother Hagen's my servant. He said, he told you the truth. You can curse those. And if you will curse those from the roots, they will die and disappear. So after that spiritual experience, he comes down back into his body. And when he comes back in his body, because he was like kind of like in a trance type of thing, his spirit left his body. I mean, he was just, you know, I don't know how to, maybe, I don't know whether he was in the body, out of the body, but I mean, he was just, his physical body was suspended while he was gone. And he come back down and Zona is there in the house with her boyfriend. And so uh, this is how the devil works. So he thought, man, praise God. I just, and he said, I'm going to go find Zona. And so Zona uh, was in the house with her boyfriend. And when he come at, back from that experience and he was going to go right over to her room and say, guess what the Lord just told me? The devil said to him immediately when he got back in his body, he said, wait, wait till tomorrow. 
And he recognized that as being the voice of the devil. Because the devil was always minana, do it later. Right? So he's just, he recognized the voice of the devil and he went in there and just really shocked his daughter because, you know, he said, Zona just got back from heaven, you know, and, and the Lord told me if I'd curse those roots, uh, those gross, <laughs> curse the root, curse those gross at their roots, that they would die and disappear. So anyway, he went on to this and anyway, just a long story short is that he just started thanking the Lord. He cursed him and then he started thanking the Lord for removing those gross from his daughter's body. And then... One day, uh, his daughter come home and come down to his dad and said, Dad, Daddy, this is spooky. What's I says? He says, you know, I count my gross every day, and uh, there's so many on my body, and now there are only about half that many. What's going on? And he said, well, he says, I don't know, Zona. All I can tell you is the rest of them are going to go just like those did. And so for the next several days, he was just, thank you, Lord, for removing all those gross from my daughter's body. She come home one day, she was looking in the mirror, she turned around, then she looked back in the mirror and she had brand new baby skin all over her body. No, no scars, nothing from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Totally well, totally well. Well, the point is, is that the devil always says, wait, Peter was smart enough to say, Lord, save me. And he did. Right there, instantaneously. The Bible says, immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, so he was close enough, right? And look what he said. Look what the master said. And he said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Why did you doubt? In other words, Jesus is saying, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And see, that is what is confronting Christians all around the world right now. Why do we want to begin to doubt that God is not big enough, able enough, or willing enough to protect us through whatever type of plague, whatever type of disease, whatever type of sickness, whatever type of plague? What, why would we want to stop right now and start believing the lie? Right? Are you with me? So Peter says, Lord, save me. The Lord reached out, grabbed him, said, you of little faith, why'd you doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. And then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him saying, of a truth, thou art the son of God. So here's the point. Call upon the Lord. Call upon the Lord. You get into trouble, call upon the Lord. But even before you get into trouble, lean into the Lord, trust the Lord with all your heart. Believe him, believe him for protection, believe him. And as the scripture says, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Believe that a thousand will fall at one side, 10,000 at thy right, but it will not come near you. You believe that. And how do you believe it? By activating faith in the known will of God, by saying that, just like Psalm 91, we looked at that the other day, saying of the Lord who he is to us. He's my healer. He's my protector. He's my provider because he loves me. Amen. And so we have a song in our heart, a merry heart and God's mighty protection working in our life. James three, and you can read this later, but I encourage you to read the the first 18 verses or so of James chapter three, where it talks about the tongue, just like the rudder on a ship. You start speaking 
words over your life that I'm getting sick, that I, you know, and it doesn't mean we don't go to the doctor or believe in doctors or medicine or anything like that. I'm not telling you to throw your medicine away, but I'm saying first and foremost, as a Christian, as a Bible believing Christian, go to the word of God, claim the promises of God, stand on the word of God as you're going to the doctor, if that's what you feel you need to do. And there's no condemnation about that. That's not a sin. It's not wrong to do that. Amen. But as you're speaking the word of God, hold fast to who your true healer is. Amen. Amen. If you hold, then when you go into a room, you're not looking, you don't come in the room, open the door. Is anybody in there? Is the coast clear? Can I go in there? And thank you, because this starts to really erode people's faith and it starts harnessing them. It's harnessing them from the life of God the ability of God, the will of God from their life because they're given to the spirit of fear. See, faith is calling those things to be not as though they were. But even in the midst of being tested, you make the declaration of faith out of your tongue saying, I believe what God said. I believe that I have been redeemed. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. I've been redeemed. You get up in the morning and I would encourage you. I mentioned this the other day. Get up in the morning and And especially if you feel you're given to this or had place in this in your life, open your Bible to Psalm 91 and meditate in that before you do anything, before you get out of bed, before get up 10, 15 minutes early and read that out loud and say, Lord, I'm reading this and speaking this because I believe it because this belongs to me. Amen. Amen. And start the day right. Don't start it encroached by looking on the news media and seeing how many people died or how many people are this or we can't go to work from home because everybody might be infected one day. Because again, might, maybe, could, all of these things. Uh, you know, the devil, it's like the devil telling, telling you, telling me, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to kill you. And he tells you that day after day, month after month, year after year. And then after about 20 years, you finally come to the realization that if he could really kill you, he would have done did it. But because he can't, he didn't. So he's, he's threats. He's a wind bag. He's windy. He's windy. In other words, he's just, he's, he's talk. He's talk. But if we listen to his yipping and yapping and start taking that and pondering it in our heart and holding on to that, we're going to start to believe in that, brothers and sisters. And I'll tell you what, that's going down the wrong road because God wants us well. God wants us strong. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Let's say that together in closing. God has not given me, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So it says sound-minded people think right. Sound-minded people aren't given into the spirit of fear. That's what that scripture is saying. If you're sound-minded, you're not listening to that. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Let's thank God. Thank him for his protection over your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We can call upon you. You're as close as the mention of your name. You live on the inside of us. Your anointing is all around us and we can tap into your ability at the point of our need and we can say, Lord, we believe what you said because we don't want to be like those disciples that were rebuked after you arose from the dead because of their hardness of heart and unbelief because they did not believe those that had saw him. 
oh, Father God, we've seen this. We see you, Lord. We get the picture of you through and your will through your word, your written word. They didn't have that right then like we do today. So, Lord, help us. Lord, forgive us if we got into unbelief. We, we ask you to forgive us, and you do forgive us. But help us, Lord God, to put first things first. Help us, Father God, to re- be reminded by us reminding ourselves every day before we leave, leave the house that, Lord, we have that in our mindset. That wherever I go, God goes with me. Wherever I go, whoever I speak to, divine, divine protection is mine. And it's working in my life. And something tries to encroach on it, I'm going to stand against it in the name of Jesus. And say, by his stripes, I am healed. I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. I have been redeemed. Sickness is not mine. The coronavirus is not mine. It's from the pit of hell. It's not from heaven. And God's will is that I be healthy and be strong. And above all things, not give in to the spirit of fear. And I thank you, Lord, for your supernatural hand of protection over my life, over my home, over my family, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, if you just practice that, because we practice the word, be, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. So do it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, just sit down. For-